With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome to the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Fantasy and Dynasty Podcast. I am your host, Memphis, at DFF Memphis, and tonight's episode number 82 is entitled The Art of the Deal and the AFC Breakdown. Uh, before I bring on my guest and get into the body of tonight's show, I uh, want to cover a few simple things. First, I'll start with a little business time, and that is my sponsor gtbets.eu. Are you looking to get in some action on today's games, which is mostly baseball right now, but I believe a week from Sunday, we have the NFL Hall of Fame game. So you'll start having preseason football to bet. Well, then head over to gtbets.eu for all your sports betting needs with updated odds covering all major sports. The bottom line, gtbets.eu will have you placing your first wager within minutes with their simple-to-use registration process. So go to register now, enter up to $500 in free money simply by going to the referred field, which is in the upper right-hand corner, and type in the word Warzone. Yes, smush it together, make it all one word, W-A-R-Z-O-N-E, Warzone, and get up to a $500 dollar-for-dollar match in sign up bonus. So if you deposit 500, they match your 500 with an additional 500 and you got a thousand for your action. So all kinds of cool stuff at gtbets.eu. So a couple of things, a little housekeeping, if you will. Going forward, I've been getting tagged in a lot of tweets and that's great. Please do continue to tag me at DFF Memphis and continue to tag the show at Dynasty Warzone but I'm operating both and I'm operating them a little bit differently to avoid sending the same message out twice and spamming your inbox. If you tag at dynasty Warzone, I will simply retweet it. I will vote and retweet just as you request. No problem. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. But if you want some comments like a word or two, uh, maybe a or B or pick a side, Go to at DFF Memphis. Tag me in the same trade. You can tag both handles, and I'll, I'll handle each one accordingly. The people that follow the show are following the show handle because they want to see trades and stuff like that, and people that follow me personally are wanting to see more of my comments and breakdowns. Now, if you want an in-depth breakdown of your trade, the only way that I'm going to do that going forward is go to iTunes, 
leave a five-star review, and in the comments section, leave your trade. Leave your name, leave your Twitter handle, and leave me as much information as you can about that trade, and I will cover it uh, on a trades episode. I'm going to continue to do a lot more content than we have in the past. I was just talking to my guest offline, who I'm getting ready to introduce, but I've got a bonus episode next week, and then the following week I'll be on vacation, but there will still be a Dynasty Warzone. But if you want those trades read, I would love to do them for you, but uh, I'll trade you. How about that? We love talking about trades and Dynasty. I'll trade you. You do a five-star review for me, I'll uh, cover your trade on the podcast for you, and I'll go as in-depth as humanly possible and as time will allow. Uh, The reason why those five stars are so critical is that when a new listener goes to iTunes and searches the word Dynasty, right now the Dynasty Warzone is not the first podcast to come up. We've only got a handful of reviews since we've switched to the new feed, and it's imperative to get that review base back up. We were well on the way to 50, I believe, on the old handle. So just search Dynasty Warzone. Uh, Two feeds will come up. One says the original Warzone, and one says simply Dynasty Warzone. That is the new one. It's got about five shows. Today's episode will be the sixth show. So go on there, leave us a rating review, five star, put your trade in there, Twitter handle in there, and I will break it down. So tonight, I'm going to introduce my guest. My guest has been on before. He was on a couple of months back. Uh, He jumped on at the last second tonight to bail me out. He is a league mate in the world-famous Goat Leagues. He's in every single one, as am I. That's the best ball, that is the one quarterback, that is the super flex. I'm trying to talk these guys into a little IDP or Debbie for 2019. Uh, He is the co-host of the At Goat District pod, which drops on Fridays, along with his host, JD, At Goat District, and along with me. I am the podcast host guest that will not leave. I just show up, hang out, and I just keep showing up until you throw me off or I take over your show, you know, whichever comes first. But my guest tonight is none other than Nate Pilmer. On Twitter, you can find Nate at Dynasty Dog with two Gs. That's at Dynasty Dog, two Gs, because there's, there's another Dynasty Dog out there, and we don't want to confuse our Dynasty Dogs. As much like the Highlander, there can only be one. Nate, welcome to the show. Great to be here again, sir. Uh, and that is true. There's, there is a difference between the DOG and the DO, double G, as if uh, I'm trying to find some more West Coast familiars out there in fantasy land. But if you are on the West Coast uh, like I am, you know who the Nate Dog is. Uh, I am not he, but I, I, I aspire to uh, get called his name as often. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, I am... Uh, I, I I almost didn't make it tonight as we were talking earlier. I'm, I'm glad that I did. That California rush hour traffic. Yeah, yeah, you know it's 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 about as fast as molasses out here. But uh, you know what? It, it is what it is, and I, I made it on time. I came home. My my wife had made a great steak for me as I walked in the door. So I I'm in a great mood. Let's talk some football. All right. Well, before we talk football, something that you and I have in common, and a few episodes back, if you ever listened to the Dynasty Happy Hour podcast, Tyler Gunther and the gang on his podcast. They were talking about this. And since I've been doing a non-little football segment for the last few weeks, uh, something that you and I have in common is fitness. So what what does your fitness routine look like? What, what do you do? Why do you do it? How often do you do it? Because uh, you were an ex-college football player. You played for a small college in California, played some wide receiver, 
if I remember correctly. So uh, as you've gotten up in years and left college sports, uh, what kind of fitness you doing uh, and, and, you know, how's that going? Well, it, it definitely feels like th- these days it's less about uh, getting swole, you know, getting uh, looking like you want to be like beach muscles. Yeah, you know, it's it's more like uh, like therapy or rehabilitation as it feels like sometimes. Yeah, I, there's a couple of injuries that we'll just live. I'll be living with uh, the rest of my life. I've had I, I can't even tell you how many times my shoulders have dislocated. Um, just they've been ripped out of their sockets from making tackles or diving on the ground or diving for footballs uh, so many times that you know it's just one of those injuries that uh, even when you get it fixed it's there's a chance that it's going to happen again and, and it affects the other shoulder um so it's uh it, it it does make my fitness life difficult but for me yeah man i i it's become an addiction and there's no better addiction to be uh you know to be addicted to i should say than something that just gives you uh, an overall sense of you know purpose and you've accomplished something and, you, and you're healthy as a result of it and that's just going to the gym so i'd like to go at least four times a week uh core is every time it's every time uh especially this this age i'm trying to make maintain. seven minute abs man oh gosh i wish i um i i i joined a local gym Earlier this year, I used to be like the urban workout, like the world's my gym. I do push-ups at home, sit-ups at home, run around the, the block, and everything. It just, it, you know, it was a, it was okay, but just wasn't showing results. And you know, joined a gym for the those cheap memberships and everything. And uh, you know, my wife and I have been going a lot, so it's you know it's something else that we could do together. But now it's gotten to a point where like, okay, now like I I I never did legs, man. I, I used to bench more than I squat. <laughs> I, you were a classic gym bro. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's just the way it was. Like, well, I and I never really had the leg strength period when I was in high school. Like I said, I, I was benching more than I could squat. My my max bench press was three hundred pounds, but I, I'm lucky if I can get to two seventy five in the squat back in high school. I, I just it just wasn't me. I'm I'm <laughs> I am the upside down pair uh, in high school. But uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to even that out a little bit here. So I'm trying to do a little bit of everything. And I I, I got a personal trainer. Um, just to kind of get me some some tips because I wasn't. How doing... hot is she? Oh it, well, he um, oh. he kicked my ass. Like I, I was like, yeah, man, I, I've I've kept myself in shape over the years. Uh, uh-uh. no, 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 sir, <laughs> no, 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 that he said. He he basically said, okay, we're gonna do like five things. I'm gonna see where you're at. I couldn't get through three of them. He, he, this was just an, a, a let's see what you can do, what you can't do. So he, we couldn't even finish that type of exercise, but he gave me some ideas. It was good. So the, 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 the good thing about it was he was able to incorporate uh, cardio and weightlifting and and do them all at once instead of, you know, you have to do one day of cardio and then another day you're doing legs and then another day you're doing upper body and then the day you're doing back. So he just found ways to do, incorporate all of those into several different exercises. And it's been great, man. I, f- I feel great, but there's still things that aren't, aren't working correctly. <laughs> it feels like. I, I've, I've, I've been there, so... Me personally, uh, my fitness journey started when I was about 23. I was a really good athlete in high school. I was a pretty good baseball player, but I was a really good wrestler. That was my sport of choice. It just came naturally to me. But as you get out of college, life happens, things happen. Um, you're not working out as much. I, I, I wrestled in high school. I wrestled 189. That was the weight class here in Indiana. And I ballooned up when I was about 22 uh, got up to 270 pounds. And I'll never forget it. A uh, buddy of mine named Brian, he walked into work. We worked together in a grocery store. And he said, you know what, dude? You're fat. I was like, excuse me? 
you know, and I was, I was, I was dead serious. And he was like, dude, you know, I know you were an athlete back in the day. He's like, how, how did you get in this position? Well, for my 23rd birthday, uh, got a gym membership and I'm, when I get, when I'm into something much like dynasty or anything else, I'm into it all the way. And, uh, with the help of some old school hydroxy cut and some, wrestler's mindset i lost 90 pounds in three months and i got down as well as about 178 yeah it was it was not a good thing but (laughs) i i I, you 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 learn and the one thing about i'm a little bit older but the this younger generation has is the internet and it's not always a good thing so i won't beleaguer the point anymore My, my workout thing is is i work out every day i can there is a former navy seal he was actually chris kyle of american sniper fame his boss's boss. His name's Jocko Willink, and that's just like it sounds. J-O-C-K-O-W-I-L-L-I-N-K. Jocko Willink, and he runs a CrossFit and Jiu-Jitsu gym, I believe, in San Diego. And on his podcast, it's a little dry, but he says there are no days off. Life will give you days off. And so I go to the gym every day that I can. Uh, uh, prepare to insert joke here, but I do I do participate in some CrossFit. I have an uh, amazing coach uh, named Troy and another coach named Pam. They kick my ass on the reg. I'm also big into the power lifts, bench press, deadlift, and squat. Still at my at, uh, we'll call it my advanced age. But the one thing I is is, is find people that that you enjoy, and, I, and I'll share a couple that I do. Uh, the most important one to me is a gentleman named Stan Efferding. He was a world-class powerlifter. He was at IFBB Pro. Um, you can find him on Instagram, at Stan Efferding, and the last name is E-F-F-E-R-D-I-N-G, Stan Efferding. Um, and the reason why I wanted to bring fitness up real quick before we transition into the news is that fantasy football can be a very sedentary uh, activity. A lot of time on your phone, a lot of time on your computer. I'm guilty of this. Um, the one thing that I will share you about Stan before I move on is he talks about the power of 10-minute walks. So find Stan on Instagram. Find him on YouTube. One of the favorite things that he says is people ask him, hey, Stan, what's the best exercise? And he, he tells them, the one that you'll do, whether that's walking or running or swimming, wh- whatever it is that gets your body in motion. And then they ask him, hey, what's the best diet? And he says, the one that you'll follow. It seems like very simple advice. But if you're looking for someone to help you with your fitness goals, whether that's to be stronger, better, uh, you can find him on podcast. But look that dude up. Go back and listen to how I spelled his name. Uh, amazing guy. So um, that being said, that's our little non-football segment of the week. Um, if you ever want to talk fitness, you can you know hit me up on those uh, tweets as well, at DFF Memphis. Uh, I love talking about fitness as much as I do fantasy football, dynasty fantasy football. So, Nate, let's move on to the news. Let's talk about LaShawn McCoy. So I'm not going to get into too much of the details of what you know went on. There was an attack on his ex-girlfriend. Um, saw some pretty horrific pictures on Twitter. He was in Miami, allegedly, nowhere near the area where the attack happened. There's been some debate whether or not he hired someone to perpetrate this. I'm not going down this rabbit hole. Uh, that's what the NFL does. That's what law enforcement does. I'm going to avoid it, and I'm going to merely talk about this from a fantasy and uh, dynasty perspective. I'm just calling LaShawn McCoy a hold, plain and simple. Uh, if you move him now, 
you'll never get back any real value. Your best bet is to sit on him and hope that he plays week one. Maybe you can flip him to a contender. Uh, I think going into, you know, before this news, you could have got a late first somewhere in that first round range from a contender who was, you know, like the 110 to 112 range. But now you're going to be happy to get a second. But I say hold. Nate, forget about what happened. Where are you at with LaShawn McCoy and his dynasty value? Uh, well, I, I I have to agree 100% that it's it's a must hold. But if, I, if I'm not the McCoy owner, I'm... I'm trying to vulture him as best as I can. Are you what, making offers? We're going to talk oh, about your your, your, made, uh, your trades. I made one. I made one, and I knew it was asinine. But I, you know, it was it was trying to it was kind of meant to be the build up to something, but it was so bad that he just like don't even tell me something else. Um, but I was like, I was doing one thing, and I said, you know, screw it, I'm going to send him an offer for it. Um, but before we get to the offer, it's you kind of look at the situation, and whether you like it or not. Just the allegation, just the accusation, just the story itself is damning to his value. It is, unfortunately. And what he doesn't have to... In the world of fantasy values, innocent, guilty, it, it means nothing. If the idea is there for a probability, then that causes buyers to you know, step back a minute. Uh, it causes owners to sweat a little bit. So there's no positives that come out of this now going to a trade scenario i you know what i'm i'm gonna circle like a shark with blood the water here i'm gonna, I'm <laughs> gonna see what i can get uh, as a buyer and uh you know f- f- I, it doesn't hurt even what they can they all they can say is no or in my case get laughed at and say don't send me another trade because i just <laughs> i'm I, he came at me and said you know what just it's gonna take a high draft pick for him to, to get boots. So I he eventually gave me a price, but you know I I said you know what here's Doug Martin, Chris Ivory. Do you, do you, do you want two guys you can use? Because I know you have no running backs after him. Uh, here's Doug Martin, Chris Ivory. What do you want to do with it? <laughs> he, sure. Mildly offended to agree that I can understand. I just you know what? hey I I, I I shot my shot and I didn't have any expectations whatsoever. And if I got him, great. If I got him and he did get suspended, then he retires. Oh, well, it cost me Doug Martin and Chris Ivory. You know, I, I don't... Just shoot your shot. Give it a, see what... People are scared. I don't care what happens. I think the window's got a little bit smaller because there is some positive development in the case. Yeah, he again, wasn't there. Yeah, and, and even the ex-girlfriend's starting to be like, well, maybe he wasn't involved. So but so that that window may have, have passed already. It's got a Reuben Foster-esque totally, feel totally. To, to it. And, and I think a lot of podcasts, I've heard other podcasts, we actually covered this on the GoatCast last week, that he's a hold. And as more savvy owners that listen to podcasts have heard, they're hearing guys like me and you and JD and other hosts out there saying hold. So I think you're right. The window may be closed. And the next quick story is Aaron Rodgers told Peter King that he wants to play until he's 40. Now, he won't turn 35 until December. So I, I think this is great news, and it's good It's good news for the value of Devontae Adams. You know, he's going to have Aaron Rodgers pretty much the rest of his career. I think he's 25 himself. And a wide receiver, you know, when he gets to be 30-31, that's about the end of the road. So they, they, they could enjoy the rest of their career together, barring health and any unforeseen, you know, events. And because of that, this is why I actually, I know I'll get killed for this, but I have Devontae Adams in a startup draft slightly ahead of Michael Thomas. I think Michael Thomas has only got Drew Brees this year and maybe next. And then what? Then we got to figure it out. With Devontae Adams, I don't have that. Same thing with Keenan Allen. He's got Phil Rivers for a few more years. I feel a lot more solid because of this about AR-12 and 
Adams, where are you at? Well, it's safe to say that the quarterback uh, for any wide receiver is going to boost or kill your your wide receiver's value. So I, I, I agree with you there. I mean, the long-term-wise, Devontae Adams it seems like he's a much better asset than a Michael Thomas. But when, he, when we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, I think, man, it's good for football in general, not even just fantasy, but to have a player of that status. I mean, I'm sorry. To me, he's the best quarterback in the league. I, I know I will get hit with the Tom Brady – uh, you know, everywhere people, whether you're a Patriots fan or not, you know, he's got the rings. Well, to me, quarterback wins is not a stat. Uh, you know, give, give me uh, Aaron Rodgers with Bill Belichick and then Tom Brady with, with McCarthy and see what happens, you know. But that's a whole other story again. We're looking at Aaron Rodgers. He was the, the top quarterback in fantasy three years out of his career. Uh, I think he was quarterback two one time. And the, and there's a few seasons where he didn't finish the season. This is yeah, good this is for collarbones. everything football. Yeah, this is good yeah. for everything football. Um, so and for and for even guys for like Geronimo Allison, uh, Jeff Janis, if they continue to make the team, Randall Cobb on the on the back end of his years, um, I can't see any of these guys having any value. Uh, I, I don't even know who, who was the backup last year. The kid from UCLA. Uh, well, that was it was Brett Hundley, but they Brett traded Hundley. for Deshaun Kaiser. But I, I, I think you're right. And, and, yeah, and and. Uh, I think the bow that you put on it best on this story is that it's good for the NFL. Not only is it good for dynasty and fantasy, it's good for the NFL. And uh, speaking of the end of a career, DeMarco Murray, I put this in quotations on the show sheet, quote-unquote retired. I'm not so sure that this guy won't come back. I, see, I have seen league mates dropping him left and right. And if, if I can drop, you know, like a Trey Edmonds who's like everybody's projecting to maybe get some of that – first four or five games of the Mark Ingram suspension, he might get some work. I'd much rather be sitting on DeMarco Murray until we get into week one. I, I think it's premature to drop him. I'll believe it when I see it. And you, at this point, your rookie drafts are almost over in most leagues. I, I'm not giving him up. I mean, if he retires, good for him. and tells me he took care of his money. He wants to be a family man. Smart guy, well-spoken, maybe got a uh, commentating career. Uh, maybe that's something like that's lined up ahead of him. But I'm not. Don't don't throw your Demarco Murray shares into the recycle bin yet. I would wait until I get all the way into week one. You get into week one and he's not on a team. Cool. Then you can cut him and you know get that first week run of waiver guys. Guys, but I'm not sold. Where, where are you out on Murray? And if he's gone, how do you see his career? Well, it's it's we're seeing less and less, or it being less and less rare that guys actually stay retired these days. Hell, I've seen guys who still have Calvin Johnson on their roster just by that off chance he comes right, back. Isn't that crazy? I, yeah, isn't totally. that crazy? Well, but, but you know, for a, a little bit of reason, I can understand why they do that for a player of that that, that caliber. And to your point, yeah, Demarco Murray. I mean, yeah, he made uh, he either made visits or had calls or meetings lined up with five, four or five teams, teams yeah. More. Something like that. And so that, to me, that didn't read like someone who was ready to hang it up. They were actively searching for the right situation, whether it be money or team, and it just fell through because of one of those two. Who knows? And to me, I might even wait longer than week one because this is I mean, uh, last year or, uh, yeah, last year when, uh, you know, Doug Martin was getting beaten up and they were they were short and running backs, you know, they called Jaquiz Rogers off, the, off his couch and he was the best running back on the team. You know, these guys, there's going to be a need for running back in the weeks three, four, five, six, seven, all the way to the back end. And if you're in a fantasy dynasty roster, I'm, I'm pretty sure your roster's pretty deep. But, uh, you know, it's it's all based off uh, construction. You have the room or you don't. So if you have the room, just keep them. What does it well, work? I've got another running back I want to talk about, and that's Le'Veon Bell. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, he is debating 
sitting out the first half of the season. Now, I heard this rumor last year, and I've, you know, heard this before. I know he's going to miss training camp, but it, it makes me nervous. I don't have any Lev Bell shares out there. I'm going to let you talk about Lev Bell because I know you have him in at least one of our best ball leagues, a dynasty best ball league, but I think it's a matter of time, and I, I think you're, you're, you're playing with fire when you skip training camp, especially as a running back. I was nervous last year. I had a share or two going into 2017, and he got away with it. That's the term I'm going to use. He got away with missing training camp. He came out of it on the other end healthy. And, I I mean, the older he gets, I mean, he's only 26, so he's not that quote-unquote old. But 400 touches last year, it makes me nervous. And he seems like the kind of guy who might do this on principle. Uh, Nate, where are you at with the Lev Bell? Is it just another another day, another Lev Bell story? Well, that's that's the ultimate issue with Le'Veon Bell. I mean, to me, if if, if we didn't have to worry about you know, like yeah, he's had pass suspense and everything, but every single year there's a different there's an issue with his contract to, and he threatens to hold out. Hell, last year I think he he threatened to retire. You know, that's not something you want to you know invest a top five draft pick in. If I didn't have all that one, I would have no problem taking him number one overall. Absolutely no problem. Uh, you know his the, the the amount of carries he gets per season uh, is a both blessing and a curse to me. Like yeah, you can get the volume every single year, but man, you're not going to own him for that long because that's just it's just the way the body works. You can't take that hit that many hits that often for that long. Um, but uh, gosh, man, yeah, it is t- it is kind of tough to be that confident in that type of caliber player where you have to make a huge investment where there's always an issue around or a question around his availability. There's no doubt there. I don't. I don't. I don't know how you can't consider that, but uh, man, I, I just I tried to find the, the the issue with his contract. It was it looked like it was massive, but I didn't see anything with guaranteed money. It was like seventy million dollars for five years, but I didn't see anything about guaranteed money, which I think, well, apparently, is what he's looking for, right? At that age, you kind of have to be. Yeah, I mean, as a running back, you you uh, you you want that guaranteed money, and there was reports they offered him. You're correct, five years, seventy million dollars with thir- with more than thirty million in the first two years. Um, but he's going to play on the franchise tag for fourteen and a half million. Really weird, but hey, um, he's only going to be twenty seven next year when free agency starts. So, and we saw the money that guys like Jarek McKinnon, who was twenty six, and Deion Lewis got last year in off season. Free agency. I got one more running back story, but then I want to give you time to talk about trades before we break down the AFC East. Jordan Rodriguez, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. She's actually a very good follow on Twitter. If you can find her, she writes for the Charlotte Observer. She believes that Christian McCaffrey will not receive a bump in carries and that his role may have been capped in 2017. She also believes that. Uh, uh, C.J. Anderson, drawing a blank there for a second, that, he, that he's going to be more involved in that traditional running back role in a North Turner offense. Now, Nate, I believe you own a Christian McCaffrey. You own everybody or have at some point. <laughs> uh, how? How? I mean, let, let me rephrase my question. How would this make you feel as a Christian McCaffrey owner? Are you cool with the production you got in 2017 being his ceiling? Uh, I, w- I can't say that I would be happy if that is his ceiling. I mean, I definitely would want more out of who I'm expecting to be my running back too. I don't think it's his ceiling. I don't. I, I, I need to see at least two years uh, on, on a player uh, to assume, like, okay, he's not going to get any more carries than that because of C.J. Anderson, question mark? I, I mean, <laughs> not, not a knock on C.J. Anderson. I, I think C.J. Anderson had 1,000 yards last year. He'll get carries. I ain't knocking it. And especially he, the goal line, that's C.J.'s – that's where they're going to go lean on him the most. But 
I think when you look at Chris McCaffrey, he's a guy that they, they didn't know what they had. They, he, he was a freak athlete. You, you can do whatever you want with him. But I remember reading somewhere that they want to get him. They want to design parts of the playbook for him. Now, now if you're worried about carries, maybe it's a cap. But I, I see him being more involved everywhere in the, in the offense, period. So maybe that's just going to outweigh whatever loss in carries or cap in carries that you're going to see in him. Right. And, and I want to give credit to Tim Torch. I uh, believe of Under the Helmet and their their podcast and website. He mentioned this before that he is always more concerned when a running back adds weight than when like a bigger guy. Like this year, it's been reported that Leonard Fournette and Joe Mixon are dropping a little bit of weight going into the offseason. You know, Le'Veon Bell, speaking of him, he did that a few years ago himself. But that when, you know, smaller guys try to quote unquote add weight, does it impact their, you know, elusiveness? Does it impact their speed, their their, their top end speed? And I think that that's a good question. So, in in a startup based on where they're going, and I'm just basing this merely off ADP. If I could, I could always lowball someone. I can pull a Nate and lowball somebody and get in a trade. But if I was in the middle of a draft, I would much rather draft Christian McCaffrey after C.J. Anderson. I like C.J. Anderson his value as like a running back three four type, as opposed to have to pay up to get Christian McCaffrey. Well, listen, one thing that Dynasty Twitter and Dynasty owners love talking about is trades. And have I got the right guest on for you tonight? Now, I want to talk about Nate, and I don't want to make this about our GOAT League. We do that enough on another podcast. But to put this in perspective, I went back and looked. This week, this league started the week of July 4th of 2017. That was 54 weeks ago. My guest tonight, Nate, has executed 82 trades in 54 weeks. That's it? Or, or that, that's not many if you say it fast. <laughs> that's about an average of a, of a, it's about an average of a trade and two-thirds a week. So that's some weeks you week. have two, and some, so basically three in a two-week span. So, um, so the first question is, because people love to trade, okay, first question is, is what is your process? Well, my process is, well, I think you and I have joked about this, is like, do we really have a plan or do we just like the trade that often? I think a lot of it's just because we love this part of this aspect of fantasy football is because that's what makes it so much fun is the constant interaction when there's not a game going on. But when the, when there is a plan in action here, I'm looking at roster construction. And for me, I love to have balance. Now to acquire that takes some tweaking. I don't think you're always going to find what you want and how you want it just off the draft. It never works out the way you want it. So Thus, there comes in the trade situation. You got to build your, you got to constantly build your team via trades, and there's always a way to improve your team. Always, there's never a reason not to trade. I know some guys will say, oh, "I don't trade, trade, just a trade." Well, duh, you're trading to better your team. You know, make your team better somehow. That's the idea I get with trading. For me, I like to have my uh, my three running backs in there and i need to have uh my four wide receivers and after that i can work on balance from there so first it's roster construction and then it's targeting guys knowing where my strengths are where my depth is if i have so many wide receivers i'm going to find a guy who doesn't i want to talk to him and see hey man which wide receivers do you like for my team which ones do you value most put them in order that you prefer them because the one crucial thing that I want to tell people, you generally don't want to be the first one to open the trade. If you are, don't do it blindly. Don't just be like, you know, click, 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 and send an offer because you're, you're showing your your hand right off the bat. You're, you're telling him what you value so much, and you might, he might value it less. 
Or, or like, he probably would have taken a player less. But you already tell him, I think X player is worth X amount. What do you want to do? Instead of break it down and, like, who do you like for my team? Rank him accordingly from top to bottom. Get yourself a plan first in a trade. And then start offering to someone's weaknesses with your strengths. That's where I start off with. And I will say, I, I have I consider myself to be a damn good trader. In this same league, I've got about 60 trades. Uh, but I've fallen for those shenanigans with you a few times. I always fall for the, hey, send me something. Or, hey, who do you like? And I've gotten better. I'm, I don't fall for it as often anymore. Now, now you just get texts and you don't get trades. You get hypotheticals. But I, I think that's a, a good note to point out is just keep open communications. I will I say lie. this with... Yes. I, I will say this with uh, Nate is that he has interaction with everybody. He guys that are super active guys. He he has pulled off trades. Well, we have one guy, and I will protect the names of the guilty in this case. He is the most inactive owner in this league, but Nate has managed to pull off two or three trades with this guy. Draft day trades. He got Christian McCaffrey from this guy. None of us have been able to pry David Johnson away from this guy. But you have managed to do it just because I, I think the biggest thing I would take away from that is persistent. You're very persistent. I won't deny that. I, I, I like the not not a pain in the ass. <laughs> but 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 so you are you so. are you know it's it's you you, you have to. Um, so how do you overcome objection? Because you've managed to pull off. So, so if a guy shoots down your objection or he says, "Hey, I don't like." player like like you 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 never do this like like you've told me flat out I've tried to move you Robbie Anderson or Josh Gordon and you're like hey just flat out dude I don't like those guys so so how do you overcome those kind of overject objections and get them to come around to your way of thinking well that is a good question and I don't know if that's always a possible uh, you know there's a positive outcome to do that for you uh, just because like, some guys value certain players differently now that's going to happen uh, with every player like the, people value people, the players differently. But when you talk about like, say, uh, for instance, we had a discussion with one of our other league members here, and saying, uh, "I have Darius Geis. He's got Rashad Penny. Uh, he values Penny over Geis. I value Geis over Penny. But he wants Geis, and the only guy I would want back is Penny. So I'm like, well, how do we? I don't think there's a wall, uh, or there's a way to get around that wall if." You value my guy uh, less than your guy, and I do the same. Sometimes they don't meet. It's that it's that type of difference in value that's a problem. Now, if we both think that there's like a difference between one player and I think he's worth, you know, um, or a gap of a second round pick, that's different. So uh, I, I'm gonna just keep open dialogue. I don't want to see uh, so the seeds of doubt because I feel like it's like, like I'm trying to dupe somebody. I will never do that. I'm very transparent about who I believe is worth what in, in, in every league. So I, I, I will I just I will try to let them know, like, okay, here's the positives of my player. Try and look at their roster. This is why you should do it. You know, you have to sell a little bit. You have to put in work. It's a trade. You're, you're making a deal. So now, you're yeah. in sales by, by profession. Uh, Nate works for a software company out there in California. Imagine that, a software company in California. But you're in sales. Do, do you find your sales background helps you? Uh I don't. I, I, it can't hurt. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'm not the type of you know the whole uh, the adage of like you know, the used car salesman. They're just known for slapping the the hood of the car and say this baby's gonna do this for you and I'm gonna sell it to you cheap. You know uh, 
I, I like to be open and honest uh, about certain things. I will not, uh, and, and I don't think anybody in our league is stupid, so I don't, I don't won't pretend you are. But I like to just point out certain facts, uh, and some, some people might put those in air quotes, you know, quote unquote facts. Um, that might be Cross's opinion, but for me, I'm just looking at the facts. Like you need wide receivers, and then some guys be like, "Oh, well, I, I, I'm I'm good streaming my old wide receivers." Okay, well, you know, this is dynasty. You kind of want to mix in some youth, um, and there's I have a better asset than your wide receiver too. That type of you know, getting them to understand why they should pursue a trade with me that I'm looking for now. Sometimes you convince them, sometimes you don't, but when that also comes in that level of persistence that uh, you don't want to do overdo it, but you want to kind of let them know, tell, I'm, I'm, t I'm telling you, man, this is the right deal for you. So maybe I am kind of a car salesman here. You, you, this you, is the you know, deal you want. <laughs> I've done some sales training as well for, for my career, and I, I had a, a boss one time teach me. He was like, features tell, benefits sell. It's great to tell a guy that, Robbie Anderson was wide receiver 19 last year, and he had this many yards per target, and, you know, he's only 25. Those are features. That's great. What's the benefit of putting Robbie Anderson on your team? Hey, look, man, you've only got Michael Thomas and Jamison Crowder, and then you got a bunch of unproven rookies and, like, Tyler Lockett types. Robbie Anderson really gives you a, sol a, a solid addition to your wide receiver core, and that makes him a benefit to your team. So if there's one thing I, I will tell you to take away from this little trade segment is features tell, benefits sell. We tell you features of a player to help you decide whether or not that you want them. Maybe you like stats like I do. But remember, it's great to beat a guy over the head with you know all the guy's stats and you know where he finished. Try mixing in how he benefits their team. Well, listen, Nate could talk trades for the whole podcast. But what I'm going to do is Nate is going to be a regular contributor during the regular season. We're going to have a trade corner, an art of the deal, some kind of fancy segment with Nate where he pops in maybe once every four games, maybe somewhere between weeks one through four, five through eight, et cetera, where Nate, where Nate pops in for a 20-minute segment and he tells us guys he's targeting, what he's paying, how he's approaching it. So Nate definitely is a master trader. He can get a deal done. Hit him up on Twitter, at Dynasty Dog. He loves to talk trades, but we got to get to the AFC East. And I'm going to kick this off with one of the more interesting teams in this division. Uh, I'm going to move to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I, I like the Dolphins. I know a lot of people don't. I, I think there's some untapped fantasy goodness here. And I'll start with the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. A lot of people consider him to be terrible. And, you know, he's never going to be confused with Aaron Rodgers, who we talked about earlier, where he had a lot of, you know, first and second place quarterback seasons over the last, you know, the majority of his career. But let me read Ryan Tannehill's finishes to you. Uh, he finished 24, 16, 8, 17. And then in 2016, he finished 27th on 13 games but he was averaging the 22nd best points per game. So you may ask yourself, I mean, why would I want Ryan Tannehill? Well, he's a starter. They didn't draft anybody. They had their opportunities. They passed on Lamar Jackson. They could have traded up if they you know, really had someone they liked, and I think that they still want to make Ryan Tannehill the quarterback here. He's a solid quarterback, too, that you could get as your quarterback three, 
And if the schedule lines up just perfectly for you, you might get a real nice bye week fill-in on, on some of those softer matchups. So I'm, I, I like Ryan Tannehill. I, I don't hate him. But I want to move over to the running backs. And a very polarizing player to me personally is Kenyon Drake. Now, he's a guy where we can make the stats say good things. That a good thing is he averaged 4.8 yards a rush last year. He had 32 catches on 48 targets. That's, that's pretty good. That's a 67% catch rate. I like it. But this is how much that team likes him. Last year, when Jay Ajayi was on the team from weeks 1 through 7, he averaged 6.5 snaps a game. That includes special teams. 6.5. Not even 7 snaps a game on average. But when Jay Ajayi got traded to the Eagles in weeks 8 through 16, he went up to, 40. we'll call it 48 snaps a game. On the season, he had a 46% snap share. And coming down the stretch in, in the fantasy playoffs, he averaged 90% snap share. Now, Damian Williams hurt his shoulder and was in and out of the lineup. But a couple of things that, that concern me about Kenyon Drake is that he only got he had 166 total rushes, and he only got 7% or 12 attempts of those inside the 20 for 22 yards. That's not even two yards a carry. He only got five attempts inside the 10, and he got that for five yards. This is a team that brought in Kalen Balaj via the draft and brought in Frank Gore for retirement because that's where old people go to retire. But I want you to remember a couple of things about Frank Gore. He is an excellent pass blocker. That is why when he hit the free agency, when he left the 49ers a few years back, that was one of the reasons why the Colts brought him in. They knew they had a crappy offensive line. And they knew one thing that they could do to try to help Andrew Luck at the time was bring in a really good pass blocking running back. And that's what Frank Gore is. He's three yards in a cloud of dust, but he's a good pass blocker. Then you bring in Kalen Balazs, who is a big man. Uh, he's a rookie, so and he, he's a really good pass catcher. So does he chip into Kenyon Drake's pass catching work? I know this that at ADP I, I would be fading Kenyon Drake, but maybe you can get a little bit more for him. I want to move over to the wide receivers real quick, and Jarvis Landry is now in Cleveland, and he leaves behind 60, 161 total targets. Julius Thomas, I found this next stat to be a head-scratcher, an eye-opener. Julius Thomas got 62 targets in this offense last year. It's an average of four a game over a 16-game season. That is 223 targets gone. And that doesn't even factor in Damon, Damian Williams' targets being gone. But just those two guys, Landry and Julius Thomas, accounted for 37% of their 2017 targets. So let, 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 let's run through the wide receiver core real quick. You got... Devontae Parker, who I'm still in on, he had 96 targets, missed some time with an ankle injury. Uh, Kenny Stills, he had 105 targets. Yeah, he was second most to only Jarvis Landry in targets. So I, I know a lot of people are on him. Uh, Leontay Carew, I've never been on this guy. He had 12 targets, and they like Leontay Carew so much that they brought in Albert Wilson and Danny, Danny Amendola in free agency. So you start repositioning that 100 and 223 targets, and I don't know that either Stills or Parker, either one are going to get 150 targets. But I could see Parker going from 96 to 120, and I could see Stills going from 105 to 120. 
and then you spread an, another part of that between Albert Wilson and Danny, Danny Amendola. Danny Amendola will get it early before he gets hurt because that's what Danny Amendola does. He gets hurt. And then Albert Wilson, they brought over from the Chiefs, and he's a guy that I really like. So of the wide receivers, you, you, you can see upside. Uh, I'll give you my buys and sells here at the end. And then the last position is the tight end position. Uh, enter Mike Gusecki. This guy is six foot six. He is a 95th percentile athlete. Pull him up on player profiler. It is one of the more ridiculous player profiler cards that you will see. Now, I, I did some research into the height of the Miami Dolphins wide receiver. Parker is 6'3". Stills and Carew are both 6'1". Albert Wilson is 5'9". And Danny Amendola is 5'10". Not a whole lot of red zone targets, maybe outside of, of Parker, but this kid is six foot six, has a 41 and a half inch vertical jump, runs a 4-5-40, has a 99th percentile catch radius. You add all that up, I'm seeing a red zone special. And a lot of the things where they're talking about his blocking and learning the offense, go back and read about Evan Ingram last year. I read a lot of the same things. I'm not saying that Mike Gusecki is going to be Evan Ingram from 2017, but what I am saying is, is there's a void for this type of playmaker. I think he could get up to 100 targets. I think you're just asking to add 50% to what Julius Thomas got last year. I see him being a huge weapon in the red zone with that jumping ability, that arm length, and that athleticism. So to recap the Dolphins, guys that I'm buying from a dynasty perspective are Tannehill, Parker, Kalen Balaj, Mike Gusecki, and Danny Amendola. I'm only buying Amendola as a, if I'm a contender, as kind of a bridge guy to hopefully get a Dante Pettis or an Anthony Miller up and running in 2019. Guys that I'm selling, I'm selling Kenyon Drake mostly at his ADP and the perception of that people think he could be a three-down back. I would rather be wrong on Kenyon Drake and get a nice return for him than to be right and have him not be very good and be stuck with him. I'm also selling Kenny Stills. I don't think Kenny Stills', Stills stock will ever be higher. Uh, not that I don't like the player, not that I don't think that he could be a solid deep threat, but there's a lot just, again, I'm selling the upside. I'm not selling the player. I think Kenny Stills and Drake are fine, but I would rather have their perceived value than that actual player. And I consider Gore and Wilson, Albert Wilson holds, especially at their current ADP. If you carried Gore over from your roster in 2017 when he was a Colt, Nice little bridge guy. You know, if you drafted a Kalen Balage or any of these, you know, younger, you know, a Jordan Wilkins from the Colts is another great example. And you need to give that guy a year and you want to see it or injury insurance or bi-week fill-ins. I think Frank Gore can give you, it may be a pedestrian weekly average, but he could certainly help you out with an injury or a bi-week. So that is the 2018 preview of the Dolphins. Nate, anything on the Dolphins before you, uh, before you jump into one of your teams? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like what uh, whole, your whole approach to, to trades and or buying and selling is. Uh, it will will never change, and I and I appreciate that. That's exactly how you should be doing it, is you know buying low, selling high. Um, because when when you said that you're selling Kenny Stills, I mean he's the only guy that, that gives me any vote of confidence on this damn team. But uh, if you if you if you're if you're owning him, I think it's good to have just because uh, from a from a game script game script perspective. 
anybody on this offense is going to get uh, a little bit more volume, especially on the on the latter end of each game, because they're going to be behind most of this damn year. So if if you're involved in certain in this passing game somehow, I think uh, you're going to get a little bit more ROI for your ADP on any of these guys. Not so much on the run game. I it's I I don't feel confident about any one of those guys still because yeah, Kidden Drake is probably the guy who is in the lead right now, but. I don't know this. He doesn't give me a lot of confidence to know that he'll be the ever down back there, like you said. So I'm not. I'm not buying anybody on the in, in the running back stable. But uh, I think I can get any wide receiver there cheap. I really can. Even Kenny Stills. I think he'll give you wide re- wide receiver two returns. But I don't think you'll have, you'll have to pay on the top end of that. So that's just kind of what I'll round up on the Dolphins. I think they're they're in a lot of trouble, so they might give you some some garbage time. Well, let, let's stay in the state of New York and let's leave Buffalo and go to New York City. Let's cover them Jets. Oh, the Jets. Oh, God. Um, well, you know, th- th- this is also kind of a team where, you know, on paper they did not look very good last year. They were touted to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, maybe for uh, in, the, in the NFL for a long time. But man, they, they, they didn't, you know, uh, have a great record or anything, but they definitely uh, overachieved, I'll say, from a team perspective. They... they, they kind of produce down on, on the ground but they had a very good turnout in the, in the receiving game uh, even when they lost their presumed best player so to start off with the quarterback let's just talk about old man himself Josh McCown um, I, I'm not going to jump into Sam Darnold because I don't think he plays this year I really don't I think they love him there I think I, with him is Josh McCown and I think he's going to be doing that uh, for them for the entire season and I think that's a boon for Sam Darnold now you may not like it as an owner but Long-term, this is going to be better for him. I don't like it when teams throw these young, and Darnold is young. I think he's only 20. Um, uh, the, yeah, I think he turns 21 just before the season starts. Yeah, don't throw this kid right into a fire. Let him learn between, behind who I feel is a great mentor in Josh McCown, and he still looks like he can play ball. I mean, I'm not even talking about throwing the ball. He's athletic on the ground. He had a few rushing touchdowns, and he looked good. Um, so if he can still ball, keep him under center as long as he's healthy and as long as he's not losing games for you, and let this kid watch and learn. And McCown's going to want to teach at the same time. So um, just be fine because you look at McCown, he was torn by 21 last year, but he missed three games. So if you, if you keep his average in play over the three games, he ends up quarterback 13. That's pretty damn good for a guy who probably wasn't on anybody's radar. I think he was a waiver wire in most cases. For people. I think in every format, I think in Dynasty, maybe there were some super flex owners out there that still had a Josh they, they, McCown they share. To, right? Yeah. But they, but, but, but in one quarterback in, in redraft leagues, no. Josh no. McCown was a waiver wire streaming darling. Absolutely. And then when you start losing the guys like Rogers and everything, that's a happy uh, pickup to make that you probably weren't expecting to get those type of numbers out. So. Uh, you know, and just moving on to the running backs, I feel like it's the same thing that you kind of talked about with the Miami core. Uh, I think there's a presumed leader uh, for right now in, in Crowell. Uh, I've just never been a fan of his. I know people wanted him to be something in Cleveland. I think it's a little bit difficult to get excited about anybody in Cleveland. This year is different. I, I feel like they're going to be better, but I don't want to go off into Cleveland. But last year, it's like, oh, God. Okay, yeah, maybe he'll get volume. All the online's good, but he just he, he didn't produce for me. And I think it's going to be the same thing for Crowell. I don't think he's got stiff competition, but I like, I like McGuire, and the coaching staff loves him there. I know this is really coach speak, but they're calling him LaDainian Tomlinson-esque. Over there. That's that's what I was going to say. That 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 is crazy. And my guest from last week, or the bonus episode, Wheeler, at FF underscore Wheeler, a top ten uh, draft ranker, he just traded for him in our best ball league. He he gave the two eleven for Eli Mack. 
Uh, I can't say that I'm mad at that. I can't. I, I think it's a little bit of wishful thinking just because I'd like the player, but that's you still wait for him to do that. I saw flashes out of him. He's super athletic. Uh, and, and again, there's not a lot of competition there. There, there, it just, there just isn't. It's Crowell. It's um, Bilal Powell. Uh, and um, Forte, Bilal Powell. Forte retired. And uh, they brought in Thomas Rawls, who I like as well. It just, man, he's, he's the Jordan Reed running backs. You know, he's productive when he's healthy, but he's that's when he's healthy, and it's really never the case. So, uh, you know, it's I, I, I'm not really buying anybody in this backfield. I, 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 I'm, I'm falling into them just because they were available at a certain point and there was value there. So I wouldn't be I, – I, I say that because I'm reluctant to own them, but I also wouldn't be surprised if one of them pops out a, a top 13 to 15 uh, production this year. I really don't. I wouldn't be surprised. Because um, if, if they overachieve last year, they, they, I think they can all get better, more comfortable right now. Um, so I, I'll be looking at McGuire in that in that backfield to end up being the guy at the back end, and one of those guys is getting cut. I'm gonna probably guess it's gonna be Rawls. That would um, be my guess as well. Yeah, unfortunately, like I like Rawls a lot. I just don't think he's gonna that be enough to, to keep the team on there. But uh, uh, the wide receiver court now this is gonna be interesting too because uh, uh, Inunua last year. Came on pretty strong, uh, but only briefly. And it, it, well, not last year, the year before, uh, when they still had Brandon Marshall, and he he put up similar but slightly better numbers than Marshall did. Um, and you know, the, the next year when Marshall left, he was looking to be the guy uh, that takes over the number one spot, and everyone was excited for him. He's 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 also an athletic guy. Got hurt in the preseason, was out the entire year, so they really had to rally behind um, uh, Jermaine Curse. Uh, and honestly, I couldn't tell you who else was there. Um, Robbie Anderson, there. Jermaine well, Curse, the, well, and for, then uh, outside of Robbie Anderson, because he, he he was an undrafted guy. But from a guy that they had brought in or he, that was already there that might have produced, I don't know who else it was. So thankfully, um, Robbie Anderson, you know, picked it up in his second year. Um, and gosh, I think he was the NFL leader in uh, in. 20-yard receptions. I think he had the most, what PFF would call, deep touchdowns in the league. So he's a legit deep threat. And it fed uh, into the numbers that you would see in Josh McCown and why he did so well. Robbie Anderson it was a, another waiver wire champion for a lot of people, man. That guy was a baller. Um, I, there's a guy that uh, we all kind of know and is a friend of the, the league that uh, kind of just gave me a quick stat uh, comparison. And this isn't a knock on Amari Cooper. Uh, this is just it actually is a, probably a compliment to him because he's trying to compliment Robert Anderson or compare him to a player of his caliber. And we're looking at it this way: since 2016, since Robert Anderson was in the league, 31 percent of his games were top 24 games. That's what was nine games. 20 games were outside the, t- uh, the top 24. For Mari Cooper, that number was 37 uh, percent. So 11 of his games I mean, was uh, top 24 and 19 was outside the top 24 in wide receiver production. Again, not a knock on Cooper. It's just a, a, a comparison to a player of his caliber. Now, if you're looking at a value perspective, I think the ADP is somewhere like 99 spot difference between the two of them. That, that, to me, that was the same when I read that. Um, I don't think that's going to stay that way for long. I think, well, I think both their ADPs are going to jump up, but, you know, what that is, it's the, it's the, it's the recency bias, you know, oh, he's, he's blown up this year. He, I got to take him early. Or he sucks, so he's going to drop his. Look what Gurley and Nuke happened. They dropped, and then they came back, and people suffered from it. It's just the way it works. But um, and moving on to the tight end, tell me who are the tight ends. Can you off the top of your head tell me who? I, I honestly can, and this is going to be 
bad, but I'm I'm in two tight end premium leagues, so I, I have to know, including the Scott Fishbowl. One is Jordan Leggett, whose nickname is Lazy. How about that? Lazy Leggett. And the other one's a kid named Chris Herndon, who's a rookie out of Miami. Both of them, ironically, coming off knee injuries. Uh, I'm stashing in one league. I'm in a, It's called the Dynasty Podologist League. I'm in that with some gents like Tyler Gunther and Tim Torch, who I referenced earlier in the pod. Uh, those gentlemen are in there, and I scooped both of them. I figure if I had both, uh, if anybody shows any promise, maybe. So... Uh, yeah, anything else on the Jets? Who are you buying and selling? And then I'll give you mine. Then we'll, uh, we'll have to speed through New England and uh, Buffalo. But Buffalo is yeah, easy. Yeah, the only one I'm buying right now is Elijah McGuire. Um, I, I guess I could see Josh McCown. Uh, but, you know, the, he's he's only there for one more year. You know, it, it's just it's just the, an unfortunate truth for the old guys. But uh, I'll, I'll get him as, as a fill-in, and he'll help me throughout the year. But if I want to get a dynasty asset, I, I'm only really targeting um, – um, Elijah McGuire, maybe Quincy and Nunwa, just because of the emergence of Robbie Anderson, might uh, you know pump the brakes on his ascension and his injury. So I, I might see what I can get for him. I, I I guarantee you can get everyone there relatively cheap, maybe with the exception of Robbie Anderson. But again, that's relative to what you're trying to compare him to. He's not a wide receiver one. He's in that wide receiver two, wide receiver three arena. So whatever people value at, that's just going to be how you got to talk to the owner. But, yeah, I, I think I'd hold on him if unless the price was cheap enough. All right. Well, in, in, uh, in, in this about any format, I'm buying Sam Darnold. I like the kid. I know I've got to put him on a taxi for a while. That's cool. I like the talent. I like the fact that uh, he's got Josh McCown there. One of the most interesting comments I've ever heard, especially from Johnny Manziel, he said that had uh, Josh McCown been there his rookie year, instead of his second year, that he would still be in the league. That's a, that's a very high praise for Josh McCown. So I'm big on Sam Darnold. I think he's got a great guy there with him. I'm with you. I'm buying Eli Mack. I am buying Robbie Anderson. I am holding Crowell. I am holding Anunua. And I'm selling the rest. They're all bits and pieces. So I'm going to hit Buffalo real quick and this is not going to take long because this team is bowling shoe ugly. Uh, but there, there's going to be a quarterback of value in Superflex. This is a team that passed for 3,100 yards and 16 touchdowns. I know what you're going to say. Memphis, that is trash. And you know what? You are right. But as Superflex grows in popularity, someone has to pass the ball. And you need bi-week fill-ins. You know, you're going to draft a quarterback – whether it's a running quarterback like Marcus Mariota or Dak or Russell Wilson who could miss time or could be limited due to injury because that's what happens to running quarterbacks. They get hurt. And I like Josh Allen. I don't think he's that talented, but I like his mental makeup. And with what the Buffalo Bills invested in him from a draft capital standpoint, you can look for him to get a Blake Bortles-esque leash here in Buffalo. I'm talking two, three years as the starter once he becomes a starter and I'll circle back this to Sam Darnold and even the rest of the rookies. I hope this entire rookie quarterback class, including Lamar Jackson, gets the Bla- the Patrick Mahomes treatment. Put them the entire year on the bench and let them learn. With the exception of Josh Allen, I don't think A.J. McCarron's really the, the type of quarterback in the same realm as Sammy Biscuits. Yeah, the as, Bills don't have that luxury. They yeah, they, they have A.J. McCarron. They don't have Sammy Biscuits. They don't have Josh McCown. They don't have Tyrod Taylor. Unfortunately for Josh Allen, and he's one who could really, really use a mentor. But this is, a, is an offense last year. 
And I'll just talk from the passing game for a minute because I'm not going to talk about a QB because I think it'll start McCarron and go to uh, Josh Allen. I don't don't buy the noise of Nate Peterman, Mr. Six t- Interceptions in one game. Uh, last year, the running backs got 25% of the targets out of 476. They got about 25%. The tight ends got 25%, and the wide receivers got about 50%. So let's break that down. Jordan Matthews and his 36 reception, or excuse me, 36 targets are gone. Deontay Thompson and his 51 targets are gone, and the only real wide receivers left are Andre Holmes, Kelvin Benjamin, and Zay Jones. Nate, trivia question for you, real quick: How many targets did Kelvin Benjamin have in Buffalo last year? How many targets? Targets. Seventy. Try twenty-seven. <laughs> 27. I, I'm telling you that that we're and, and Zay Jones had 74. Oh wait, okay. Team. I'm sorry. Well, he got he got traded. He got traded mid season. He okay. had some injuries. I'm, I you know knee I, issue. Yes, okay. Yeah. So, but it just sounds funny. But this is a wide receiving core that had 245 targets last year. It's not inconceivable to think that both Zay Jones and Kelvin Benjamin could have 100 targets this year. If they both get 100 targets this year, they're going to have fantasy value in both redraft and dynasty. And I don't think your fellow owners are thinking about that. I'm going to start throwing out some thirds on Zay Jones in some leagues, and I'm telling a league mate right now, so he might bid me up. But I'm, I'm definitely not afraid to make an attempt to get Kelvin Benjamin and Zay Jones on the cheap. We talked earlier about the tight ends. The tight ends had 112 targets. 74 of those went to Charles Clay. The problem with Charles Clay is that Charles Clay can't stay healthy. He missed three games last year. He only played 13. But if he can stay healthy, man, could he ever be a contributor to your dynasty team? He, in a position that's just a mess outside of the top four or five, to think that Clay uh, Thompson, excuse me, that Clay could have 100 targets. I keep saying 100 targets like it's some kind of magical number, but it's it's not bad. It's, it's just over six targets a game. And this is a team that's going to have a lot of negative, a lot of negative game scripts. So Chuck Clay, not a not not a bad play. And then we'll move to Shady. I'm not again not going to get into his situation, but this is a team that rushed the ball 487 times. One of a very few teams in the league that actually had more rushing attempts than passing attempts, and Shady got 287 of them. He had 1138 yards, 6 TDs on the ground, 59 receptions, 448 yards in the uh, in the air, almost 1600 all-purpose yards and 8 TDs. What happens if he does get suspended? If he goes on that commissioner exempt list that Adrian Peterson wound up on? You know, could, could they lean on Ivory? Could they make a trade? I mean, what would it cost them to get a, a Carlos Hyde type or a Kenneth Dixon type or a team that's maybe sitting on a little bit of uh, a Chris Carson in Seattle? I, I think Buffalo could be a team that as training camp gets closer in the next week or so, that, that could be on the market. So it, it's really hard to break this down, I'm buying Josh Allen. I've drafted him at 309 twice in two Superflex leagues. He's a guy that I think will be a starting quarterback for two to three years, and a guy like that has value in Superflex. I'm holding shady. You kind of have to. And I don't really – I guess I'm buying Zay Jones, Charles – the pass catchers. Zay Jones, Charles Clay, and Kelvin Benjamin because I think they can all be had cheap, and I think they can all have sneaky under-the-radar value. Nate – 
give me a give me a quick you know rundown on the Bills and let's get into New England. Let's, yeah. let's wrap it up with the best. I I I think you're right on the receiving core. I think uh, I think people are looking for a reason or looking for an out on anyone on this team. I would say except for maybe Charles Clay and, and LaShawn McCoy. Um, yeah, any one of those receivers. I mean, I, I've had guys like, "Hey, you interested in, in KB? Hey, you interested in this guy?" Like, no, and apparently no one else is. So yeah, you said it, man. You can probably have those guys for cheap, and I think a lot of people, including me at one point, were underestimating all these guys. So yeah, I mean, especially if you need, if you need depth, these are the guys to look at. Uh, you can get them cheap for third round picks, maybe a late second is the most. But you know, go see what you can get for them, or what it, it, the least amount it will take. And uh, uh, good luck, <laughs> the Bills. All right, let's uh, like the the dropkick Murphy say. Let's ship it up to Boston. Ugh. Ugh. Patriots, fine. They're good. The They're Bills okay. are bad. They're good and done. <laughs> yeah, yeah it sums it up. Yeah, I mean, hey, the, the the Patriots are a they have plenty of they have talent galore on the offense. So it's 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 it feels like it should be a dream for for everybody, especially if you, if you got yourself a Gronkowski. Uh, I know the suspension with elements going to be an issue for a lot of these owners this year, but well, it's four games. Yeah, it sucks. And I, probably, I think a lot of people might have had him for their wide receiver too. I think he's easily capable of doing at least a wide receiver two uh, floor production um, in that offense with Tom Brady. Um, but uh, yeah, it sucks. But hey, man. And then you still got Chris Hogan, who I think in any other place it, it, it isn't a fantasy relevant guy, but man, he's a stud in, in New England. Um, you just keep going across the rail. I think that the the, the it's a, like I said before, there's blessings and a curse for a lot of these situations. I think that's the the best thing I can think of for the Patriots. They have so many guys that they that you can rely on for good production, but I think it changes week to week, especially with the running backs. Historically speaking, that's kind of been the way it's been. So maybe that's been the reason why some people were kind of scared about uh, their their new shiny running back in Sony Michelle. Um, with good reason to be. Uh, but Can I no. interject on Sony real quick? Please. So I was listening to Colin Cowherd's show last week, and he, and he is a notorious New England Patriots fanboy deluxe. And he was calling or saying that Sony Michelle has the potential to be a bell cow back. Now, normally you hear this kind of thing, you take it with a grain of salt, but based on who said it and what the their knowledge of that New England team is, it, it raised an eyebrow. I'm not saying it shot Sony up my draft board or trade target, but it definitely raised an eyebrow. So being that who he is and a, a fanboy deluxe of the Patriots, it definitely had had it on my radar. Well, totally, absolutely. And I think a lot of people, including myself, were hoping that Sony Michelle was going to go to a team where he could be featured as the bell cow back one. Like for me as a Bucks fan, I was – I was praying for him for because he was a realistic second-round draft pick for me. I, I, obviously, I thought that Geis was going a little bit earlier than he went, uh, so I didn't think he would be there. I was hoping for a, a, a Chubb, a Sony, or uh, a, a Penny with the, the early second-round pick. Um, so I, I don't think the issue about him being capable of being a bell cow back is the issue. I think it's just the notoriously, uh, you know, any given Sunday, choose your poison type of rotating door backfield that is the New England Patriots as they've always been um, or flavor of the week however you want to uh, put the analogy down it's just it's difficult to have more confidence in a guy like that at the New England Patriots than you would at another place where he would be more featured but there's a there's starting to be a little bit of more speculation or skepticism about uh, 
whether or not he will actually be the, the lead guy there, period. I don't care what history says or what the, the coaching uh, staff is known for doing. There's they, People still think that he's going to be the guy. For me, I think he'll be a good PPR asset at, at the very least who can give you the goal line attack at the same time. That's a great asset to have. He, between the 20s, I think they'll be mixing it up. But if you get the goal line back who's a pass catcher, screw it. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a great asset in the New England offense for me. Absolutely, I, I I don't I don't know if he's going to be that cheap anymore or as cheap as he was come draft day, where people kind of like damn near fell off a cliff. No, oh, the Patriots. Why would he go to the Patriots? Uh, you know, it's but you know, I, I we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know how much uh, 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 reps he'll get in preseason. I think there was a little bit concerned about his injuries that got reported on draft day as well. I don't even know if that's a thing. Have you heard anything beyond that? No, I I think I think it was a team trying to push his. Draft normal, stock down. Yeah, I don't think they wanted to pay a first round pick like the Patriots did, and they were just trying to to push him down. But I I like Sony before. I I, had, I took him in a at one point two in a mock draft I did with the guys over at the uh, the Fantasy Forty. But I'll, I'll just wrap up New England so we can get this one home. Uh, I want to drop a little surprise on you and the guests here in just a couple of minutes. But with New England, I, I called Brady a sell, and I still do. If you go read Matthew Barry's Top 100 Facts, he's got some interesting facts that I actually brought up back in uh, late January about Tom Brady as an off-season sell just because he's an older guy, and he's like like, like an older car. He's a vintage older car. He's, he's awesome. But they're going to want to continue to take miles off that arm. Uh, he's only got so many more good throws left in it, and they're going to protect him. And I think the days of the crazy Tom Brady stats are going to slowly, especially the later we get in the year as the weather gets bad. Um, it's very similar to Drew Brees. I mean, these older guys, I mean, they're 40 years old. They don't have – look at Peyton Manning. Now, Peyton was a little bit different. He had some neck and some surgery issues. But this is a young man's game, and, and God bless him for being able to play at 40 or, you know, 38, Not 39. everybody is Brett Favre, man. Not everybody is Brett Favre. Not, not everybody's going to play. You know, Tom Brady's playing real well at 40, but he's still a sell for me. I love Sony. Uh, wish I had a share. I don't. I don't humble brag. I did too well last year to wind, to wind up with a, a share. I did. I did trade for some 101s, but I'm not not taking Barkley there. The wide receivers. If you're a contender, I could see sitting on Edelman because that is Tom's buddy. Uh, Jordan Matthews. I've never been a fan, but if he can't, you know, New England's kind of like New York. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. If he can't make it in New England, he can't make it anywhere. So this is the last uh, hoorah. For Jordan Matthews and then Gronk, Gronk's Gronk. And if Gronk gets hurt, uh, Dwayne Allen, not Gronk. So that'll wrap it up for the AFC East. Uh, these last few pods have gone long, but we've got so many great guests. And when you're friends with these guys and you spend time with them, these, these shows tend to go long. Make sure you tune in next week. Next week I, I have two shows for you. I'm going to have a Dallas Cowboys preview just the Cowboys. Yes, I know. You either love them or you hate them, but the two guys that I'm good friends with that are fans both love the Cowboys, and I'm going to do a special Dallas Cowboys bonus edition. And then for the rest of the NFC East, I'm going to have Shane Manella at DFF Shane. Uh, Shane's one of the best follows on Twitter if you're into Dynasty and into trades. He is the co-host of the Dynasty HQ Trades Podcast. And uh, at DFF Walk, uh, Walker, 
from the Dynasty Football Factory. Another great guy. I don't even know his first name. I just know him by walk, but we interact a lot. He is a co-host of the Fantasy 40. So I want to thank my guest tonight, Nate, for bailing me out at the last minute and not making you guys sit through an hour of old Memphis here just flapping his gums. But as much as I surprised Nate with the fact that he's going to be a regular contributor to the war zone in the regular season, I'm going to debut. If you stuck around this long, you, uh, you, you can enjoy this bonus of what a new segment's going to be going on. I thought of this when listening to another podcast that I'm a fan of, The Steve Austin Show. He always talks about things that chaps his ass, whether it's people not using their turn signal, uh, bad drivers, uh, people with poor manners, uh, bad gym etiquette, all those things he always says chaps his ass. Well, it got me thinking, what in the dynasty world chaps your ass? Nate, I'm going to let you go first real quick. Give, give us something, a preview of something in Dynasty that chaps your ass. There's not much, and this is like the, what, what grinds my gears, Family Guy segment. I love yeah, it. yeah, but, but we're going to call it What Chaps My Ass in Dynasty. Yes, I like it. Well, you know, I, I, I had to think about it real quick, but just off the top of my head, there's a few things that I'll just talk to real quick. One is just that the, the, uh, the smaller draft pool, this is what causes me to, to start a new Dynasty League every single year and it's not just one and sometimes it's two or three every year and it's going to keep growing because i love to draft and i like to draft the main pool of players so it's just it sucks unless you have a redraft league uh but dynasty doesn't do that you only draft you get as your rookies man so it kind of removes that from me and it just yeah i can't scratch that draft itch and it, and it drives me nuts i'm trying not to join any more leagues but sometimes it's just i don't have that willpower but the other thing i wanted to talk to you real quick is the ageist effect I hate this, and I'm guilty of it sometimes, and I know everybody to some degree, but there's just some guys who, it's like the age before beauty thing, they'd rather have the youth or the, over the production, and it, it, it just kind of sits in my craw when I'm trying to like talk trades with somebody, and it's like, the value lines up, but you know what, this guy's 28 and this guy's 25, so I gotta go with the youth. I'm like, really, dude? You're talking about the difference between three years in, in, in age, and it's not like this age is a finite determination of when someone's going to hit a wall like just because someone a, a, a position peaks at a certain point or the running back wall at 30 it's not always the case there's there's that at least to be in it they're favoring it but god man don't, don't live your life off the age live your life off the production i'm not here just to trade because i like the way my roster looks on age i'm trying to win at the same time and when i encounter guys who kind of live on the age before everything else uh so that's the one time it, it's hard to trade for me. And that's not, there's not many of those. They do drive you crazy, but they do make it easier to get those veterans off their team. I'll tell you what chaps my ass in Dynasty, and I'm just wrapping up the Scott Fishbowl draft, is guys that critique another player's or another owner's roster during the draft. First of all, quit bringing up names during, during a draft. That chaps my ass. Hey, you know what? Maybe the guy on the clock hadn't thought about Eli McGuire, and maybe he was not going to draft Eli McGuire. But when you're flapping your gums in the draft chat room, oh, all of a sudden, Eli McGuire looks like a really good pick. Shut up, man. And then don't critique another owner's draft. If you want to do it in DMs with maybe an owner that you're buddies with, because, I mean, we're all guilty of that. Hey, man, did you see that move? That's ridiculous. I get it, but in a group forum, nobody, you know, uh, it's it's good best practice for everything in life. Praise in public, criticize in private. So don't do that to folks. That chaps my ass when you're talking smack about another owner 
in front of the rest of the owners. A, it's bad form and bad manners. B, there's no there's no faster way to isolate that owner from wanting to do business with you down the road because you, you made an example out of him. Well, listen, we're at that time. I wanted to surprise you guys with that. Look for that going forward. Things in Dynasty that chap my ass with my guests this this upcoming season. It'll be what happened in week one that chapped your ass, and just look for it all season long. Look for regular appearances by Nate at Dynasty Dog with two G's on Twitter. Look for him on the GoatCast uh, on Fridays. And we thank you for tuning in. Listen, been a great show. Uh, be prepared next week. Next week we're doing the NFC East and the Cowboys. Two episodes again, just like last week. This week we only got one. But thank you. Please, please, please go to iTunes. Leave us a five-star. Uh, and in that review, put all your trade information. I would love to discuss your trades on the air. We'll make the show just a hair longer. But for now, for tonight, on behalf of Nate and myself at DFF Memphis, we tell you to keep active, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, everybody.